That's right, welcome along to Rugby World Cup today here on SENZ for your Monday night. Brought to you as always by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. And the pool stages of the Rugby World Cup have come to an end. What a weekend of footy we were treated to, particularly this morning with arguably two of the most entertaining games we've seen so far. Japan versus Argentina, what a doozy that was, and then Fiji versus Portugal. Add to that the drama of the England-Samoa game and the demolition jobs from Ireland, France, and of course the All Blacks. And the stage is now set for what is going to be a mouth-watering weekend of quarterfinals footy. It's going to be a huge week of build-up. Four big games, each with plenty of storylines and talking points. Fair to say the pool A and B clashes are probably the two on most people's mind. And as an All Blacks fan, it's going to be a long, nervous, but exciting week leading up to that massive game on Sunday morning. So on today's show, we'll kick things off with a bit of a rapid review of the weekend's games before covering off the latest news from the teams that will be featuring in this weekend's action. Tony Johnson, the great man TJ, he'll be joining us after 6.30 to share his thoughts on the tournament so far and those games ahead. And of course, we'll have our Breakout River Meets breakout performance as well. As always, really keen to hear your thoughts throughout the show. There are so many talking points to get stuck into this weekend. How confident are you feeling heading into Sunday? What names would you like to see on the team sheet from Fozzie? Who are you tipping to win this week's quarterfinals matchups? And what did you make of those results on the weekend? Feel free to fire through your thoughts at any stage to double eight, double three, and I'll be sure to feature them in the show. But for now, let's kick things off with the rapid review. And the first game of the weekend saw the host nation France add to the misery of the Italians. They ran an eight tries to one on their way to a 60 points to seven victory. And it's fair to say it's been a pretty disappointing campaign from the Italians, a side which, based off recent form in their six nations, they looked like they'd made massive improvements. But unfortunately for them, things really unraveled in those last two pool games, losing to the All Blacks and France by combined total of 156 points to 24, showing that perhaps they still have a real way to go before they can continually compete with the top rugby nations. Then on Sunday we had a triple header kicking off with Wales riding their wrongs from a couple months back where they did lose to Georgia. They got the win over them 43 points to 19 despite a late withdrawal from Kiwi first five Gareth Anscombe. More on that to come. Then following that England, they scraped home to an 18-17 win against Samoa and a heartbreaking result for the Samoans. This game had it all, controversy, drama, more than a handful of harsh calls against Samoa and a late England try which saw them pick up a win from what was a very patchy performance. Here are some of the highlights from that game brought to you by SENZ. Is number three, Dan Cole. And now they'll keep going back towards the left-hand side. Now there's some space opening up. They get through half a hole. Now here's Dalungi. He's got a man on the outside. He gives it away. It's the big number four. Uh, number five, sorry, Ollie Chesson, and he will get the first points for England. Just caught Samoa out on that left hand side. And the first try comes for England after nine minutes. Uh, Samoa, England, got to be careful here. They might lose someone if they keep a fr uh, infringing a crossfield kick here, all the way out towards the right side. Our Wong, he's got it, has he? Oh, that's phenomenal. Nigel Awong. 
just breezes through the air. And if he's got this down before the dead ball line, forget about try of the day by Fletcher Living. That's try of the tournament, Steve Devine. Wow. <laughs> Steve Devine. I tell you what, folks. Nigel Alwong's right foot by about a stud length yeah. is in the air as he puts the ball down. This is going to stand this try, and it will be, no doubt about it, try of the day sponsored by Fletcher Living. It might be try of the tournament. Now it breaks apart, and uh, Samoa do very, very well to stifle the English more, and then it's knocked on by Owen Farrell, and that'll be the last play of the first half as the players come together with a few pats on the back, and Samoa you would say, have absolutely dominated England. The scoreboard's still low, eight, uh, 14 points to eight, Samoa leading. So Kier to feed as the scrum stays relatively solid. Oh, he's in. He goes off the back of the scrum easily, Danny Kier. He'll go deep, back into the pocket is Farrell, who boots it into touch. And who knows how, and who knows why, England have escaped this game and stolen it from Samoa. 18 points to 17. Yeah, tough scenes for the Samoans there, and I think Sammy Hewitt kind of summed it up perfectly. Who knows how or why, but they found their way to get the win. Then the third game on the Sunday morning, and I had a few people actually hitting me up in my DMs on Instagram because I'd been building this one up as the game of the weekend. It ended up being all one-way traffic, though, as a terrific island once again flexed their muscles, dominating their Six Nations rivals in Scotland, scoring 31 unanswered points in the first half to put the game to bed before Oranges, and once again show they're the form side in the world right now. Here's some highlights from that game. Here's six to the way to the left-hand side. Little dummy through the gap. Slicing through his ring rows. Honourable score. Dream start. Devastation for Scotland. But that is quite brilliant from the Irish. Gary Ringrose at the start. James Lowe with the finish. 5-0. 60, what, 70 seconds gone, Kelly. From the line out, Ireland into midfield. Left running ball will wrap around his sexton. Holding it up, giving Aki. He feeds to his left. Ring Rose. He gives it away to Hugo Keenan, who slides in for another brilliant try from Ireland. Oh, wow. No hands indeed shown by Scotland. And they go to the line. Ireland, I think they've got there. How did they steal that one? I'll never know. Who is it? It might be Dan Sheehan. No, Christian Cullen says it's Ian Henderson's try. Thankfully, you're paying attention to Pelotu. He's been one of the best Scott players for sure. Sexton changes the point of attack, goes wide. Keenan holds the ball up and he's driven to the line and over as he got it down. I think he may have. Try, try to Ireland. Ireland on fire in France. Ireland 24, Scotland nil. We're not even at the half. That just gets him another couple of metres up towards the 22. Ball is up. Push back to Johnny Sexton, who kicks the ball out, runs off, gives a little fist bump to the crowd. There's a lot of smiles on those Irish players as they race into the sheds, Kelly. All the Scottish players trudging off because they know their World Cup chances have evaporated in front of their eyes. 
Certainly impressive stuff from Ireland there. And then this morning, the final day of pool play action, we were treated to three entertaining games. The first being a high-scoring shootout between Japan and Argentina, with Los Pumas getting the win and in doing so locking in their spot in the final eight. But Japan certainly threw everything at them, including a bit of a Lima, Suwama, Lima Sopoanga sorry, backwards kick over the shoulder. Impressive stuff. They certainly weren't afraid to chance their arm. Plenty of razzle-dazzle. They pushed Argentina for the full. 80 minutes, but in the end, Argentina were too good. Here's the highlights from that one. Leach will come back with it the other way. He's got some good pace. Finally gets it away. Michael Leach, and now on this left-hand side, it's the big lock. He puts a little kick through as well for Katava. He gets the bounce. Oh, that is sensational from Fakatava. The big Japanese number five does a chip and chase, gets the bounce. And of the just, tournament. just like try that, of the tournament. just like that, it is seven points to five. We thought this morning we saw the try of the tournament with Nigel R. Wong, Steve Devine. Have we just seen another one take it over? And a big kick high in the air from Matsushima, but leaping high and taking it well was the Argentinian 15. And now they've got an offload away. Up through the middle goes the number nine, Batrano. Then hands it off to the winger. He goes in. Mateo Carreras. Now they might just be happy to kick it out, they are. As Petrano sends the boys back into the sheds, Ben O'Keefe blows the whistle. Half time at Stade de la Bourgeois in Nantes, 15 14. And now, under the advantage, Argentina can maybe be a little bit more risk free. They've got a new advantage too. Now Carreras, line ball, and he gets it off right away, the number 12, Chocobares, and then they find the winger, he's going to get a double. Mateo Carreras, they spread it wide, a good line ball to the number 12, Chocobares, he got an offload away, and the long pass out to Mateo Carreras on this left wing, scores Argentina's third, 35 metres out now from the line, Argentina, it's a messy ruck, a player off his feet as well, with advantage they're going to take a shot at goal, it's a big long drop goal, it might be good, I think it's good, Wow, Steve Devine, how about that? Gonzalez, they've got advantage as well now. That'll be a three-pointer for Argentina, no doubt, unless they can turn it into seven, which they are! Mateo Carreras gets a hat-trick. A brilliant bit of individual brilliance. And he might, might have helped seal his side a spot in the 2023 Rugby World Cup quarterfinals. Following that game, we had Tonga taking on Romania, and in the end, they proved too strong. 21-17 at halftime, and it looked like the Romanians could have been in with a real sniff of pulling off the upset here. But in the end, Tonga, they dominated the last 20 minutes of the second half, scored three unanswered tries, and ensured they would finish the tournament on a high as well. And then in the final game, history was made in Toulouse with Portugal pulling off the upset and their first win at a Rugby World Cup, beating the highly fancied Fijian side 24 points to 23 after a try in the 78th minute to winger Rodrigo Marata sealed the deal. Here's some highlights from that game. Eventually, on his knees, David Valish goes to ground and now some space for Stormy diving down the right, tries to step aside. Samuel Makish just strikes it superbly. He's put Portugal in front with a minute to play. But the clock ticks. 
A historic win there from the Portugal side and that actually segues nicely into our breakout performer as well brought to you by Breakout River Meats 100% Australian meat and proudly supporting rugby union and today I've highlighted the Portugal blind side Nicholas Martins it only seems right after that historic win if you watched this morning's game no doubt you would have noticed him he's a strong ball runner has a great offloading game he's a hard hitting defender who plays his heart out and to me he really sums up what Portugal is all about. I also think he wouldn't look out of place on a super rugby team so if there are any sides out there looking to add a bit of fizz to their lineup he could well be the guy. So he's our breakout performer brought to you by Breakout River Meats, proud supporter of local independent butchers and the Rugby World Cup. Time for some ads now and when we come back we'll have a look at the news coming out of the quarterfinal teams ahead of this weekend. That's right, welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. And before we get into the news, Brad, mate, we've had a text come through here that Amato Fakatava, of course, the scorer of one of those amazing tries from Japan, he's an ex-Marist Albion winger. Now, there's two things I love about this. Obviously, one, of course, Marist Albion, a good club out of the Christchurch region. We love sure that. Thing, yep. We love that grassroots link here, don't we? Secondly, an ex-winger that's now playing lock at the international level. Who said wingers were soft, mate? Absolutely, what? and he's been excellent in this tournament. I've watched actually all of Japan's games. They've just seemed to be at a time when, which has been good, and I've actually been watching them. And he's been excellent. He's a big unit, yeah. and I believe when he made his debut for Japan, he was playing on the wing. Wow. Uh, he was a sevens player as well. And then you know uh, Jamie Joseph and John Mitchell and that have moved them into the second row. And he's an excellent player. He's very, very confrontational. Uh, sort of think Shannon Frizzell, Brody Retallick, like a mix between those two in terms of it loves the contact so yeah and just imagine surly how many former new zealand schoolboys are running around in this tournament for a variety of different sites yeah it's pretty cool isn't it i was just thinking then you know obviously i'm a first five at grassroots if fozzy was to give me the call up and ask me to lace up at lock would i be capable of doing it i'm, I'm not sure i am <laughs> so well done to him there right into some news out of these camps that are playing quarterfinals footy this weekend and firstly wales they've been hit with some injury trouble as number eight Tolupe falatau he's been ruled out for the rest of the world cup kiwi first five gareth anscombe he's under an injury cloud as well and then you got regular first five Dan Bigger still recovering so here is coach Warren Gatlin discussing the current injury situation that is facing his side. We're just going to uh, sort of assess uh, Gareth over the next 72 hours really so he's, he's, he's pulled his groin very high up but uh, talking to the, the medics said he's got a bit of power still in his leg which is a, which is a positive means that it's not fully come off the bone so We'll, we'll probably know in the next 48, 72 hours in terms of um, you know what what we need to do with him, whether we we've got time for him to recover or whether we need to make a replacement. Obviously, we've got to look at um, a replacement for Falatau, whether that's directly as a loose forward replacement or whether we look at another position. We've got you know a few sore players, you know, particularly in the backs after today's game. Um, if you do see. Um, Lee Williams on crutches. It's not that he's uh, done anything significantly bad. He's just got a, he got a whack on the knee, and 
the medics are just said just from a comfort perspective just putting on some crutches or just take a little bit of uh, him having to walk around and stuff so you know he's got he's got a knock and probably won't take a huge amount of a huge amount a huge part in training um, nearly part of next week but um, you know hopefully he'll be uh, fit for the quarter final. So that was Warren Gatlin there speaking on the injuries and I was particularly gutted to hear about the one to Gareth Anscombe. Hopefully he can lace up. Obviously an ex-Rosamini, Auckland and Chiefs lad. His career's really been hurt by injury troubles, so fingers crossed he's able to play this weekend. Then jumping across to the All Blacks and Ireland game, and the mind games have begun with All Blacks coach Ian Foster labelling Ireland as the favourites heading into this game, which I tend to agree with as well. Here's what Fozzie had to say about the Ireland side and their form in winning 17 games straight. Uh, Great to have certainty. Um, Great to be there. First and foremost, it's... Um, you know, it's a, it's a stage we want to be on, and the fact that it is Ireland, you know, we've we've clearly had an idea it was going to be one or the other, and both both teams that we expected to be here uh, represent massive challenge, and um, the fact that it's Ireland playing well on top of their game, world number one, just makes the challenge nice and simple. Uh, they're playing well. They've got a. They obviously know how they've got their game pretty well organised and well sorted um, on a massive winning streak. Obviously got a clear goal to create history for themselves this tournament um, and 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 probably a plan accordingly. So it's uh, it's what you'd expect. You know, you go and come to a World Cup quarterfinal, you, you expect teams to know their game well and, and they do. So they'll be confident and kind of love that challenge. You know, it, it, um, th- there was no doubt that they, they um, I guess they, they believe when they came to New Zealand, they said at the time, is that they felt that they took something from us and that they, um, and, you know, it was, a, it was a massive achievement for them to win on New Zealand soil, which it was. And so, um, but there's been a lot of water gone under the bridge since then. And I think uh, World Cups, you know, it's all about this game, isn't it? Oh, no, they've definitely evolved their game too, I think. I think they've, um, I won't go into too many details, but they've, you know, they haven't achieved what they've achieved by standing still. And um, and you look at their record, I mean, we, we were the last team to beat them at Eden Park, and since then they've had a great record. I mean, they'll be looking at that consecutive wins, and, and, and they've earned that. So there's no doubt that, um, that they've evolved their game. They've got a a group of players that's probably at, this is this is probably their moment. You know, they if they're ever going to win win a World Cup, they'll probably feel like it's now. And and um, and we've got some we've got some players, and and as a team, we're kind of in the same mode. And so, pretty exciting. Ian Foster also gave an update on prop Tyrell Lomax, declaring him a chance to play, which I think is crucial for our hopes. Lomax is set to have a light jog at training today, with the All Blacks then using the next 48 hours to make a final decision on whether he's fit to go. So fingers crossed for some more good news there. Then out of Irish camp, coach Andy Farrell, he's welcoming the mouth-watering quarter-final matchup against the All Blacks. He had this to say on taking on the New Zealand team. Uh, I think New Zealand, uh, a fantastic side, and for 
little old Ireland to be um, talked about in the same bracket as as the All Blacks shows that how far we've come as a as a as a rugby playing nation. Um, but the respect that we've got uh, for for New Zealand is is through the roof. The form that they've got at this moment in time um, is is top draw, uh, and like Johnny said before, I'm sure that they they will be relishing this this um, this fixture um, to to try and put a, a few things right. So it's tough. It's tough. It's, it's as, as tough as it gets. I mean. Two weeks ago, it was a, a tough game, and you know this one was knockout, knockout tight rugby. So it gets a little bit tougher. It gets a whole lot tougher next week um, against the All Blacks, and uh, hopefully they'll need to be at their best to beat us as well. I don't think, and 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 and, and neither do the, the team think that we've we, we've played our, our, our best rugby yet. Um, we know where we want to go and what we're trying to achieve. Will we ever get there? I, I don't know, but. It's, it's days like next week um, that, that's coming where we, we need to find out a little bit more about ourselves and these lads are, are certainly willing to do that. Some scary words there from Farrell saying he doesn't think they've played their best rugby yet. Hopefully this Sunday is not the day where they do that. And then finally to France and Anton Dupont. He's set to undergo a medical in Paris overnight to determine whether or not he can feature in the host's game against South Africa. You get the impression their World Cup hopes might well ride on that decision. So no doubt the result of that medical will be huge news come tomorrow. Time now for the 6.30 news and then following that we'll be joined by Tony Johnson. Welcome back to the Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. And we're joined now by one of the voices of New Zealand rugby, Tony Johnson, who's coming to us live from cricket training, I believe. So we really appreciate the commitment there, TJ. But let's start with this morning, mate. Portugal beating Fiji to claim that historic win. This is what the Rugby World Cup is all about, right? Yeah, absolutely fantastic for Portugal. Um, I don't know about whether Fiji would be quite so happy with it, but you know it's a funny thing, Ben. I, I was in uh, Lyon in 2007 when Portugal played the All Blacks, and I think the game was notable for the fact that Carl Heyman ended up playing lock for the All Blacks. <laughs> wow! Um, but it was at a, and it, the other thing I remember about that day too was John Drake, my old mate John Drake, ar- arriving at the stadium and figuring out this is a football stadium, the president won't be here, and he drove in and he, and he took the president's car park and no one said a word about it. But, but no, the thing I remember about that day was just because, you know, Portugal, not that far away, all these people, that just the town was flooded with Portuguese people. A lot of them were wearing Cristiano Ronaldo shirts. You know, they were wearing um, Portuguese uh, football uh, colours, you know, rather than the rugby team. But I, this is just going to do so much good for rugby in Portugal, where they do have some really clever players. They've been quite good on the seven circuit. Uh, and I imagine um, Bryce Bevan, uh, who used to coach them, he's got a bar down in uh, Waihee Beach these days. He'd be absolutely chuffed about it. Uh, although, as I say, Fiji, uh, not so. Uh, you know, they did enough by getting the bonus point to get them through to the quarterfinal. But that is not what they would have wanted to come up with ahead of, you know, one of the biggest matches in their history. 
No, you, yeah, you mentioned there Fiji did enough to get the bonus point and to qualify. Do you think maybe we're seeing the toll now of their draw? They've had to play their best team for, what, three or four games now. Are we seeing a bit of fatigue in this Fijian side? Well, it, it certainly looked that way. But look, there'll be nothing like the, 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 the lure of a semi-final against England to rejuvenate them. Uh, and if they can get you know anything like a full-strength team out there, I think they've got the capabilities if they can... You know, just park this one. Um, I think Steve Hansen would call it a, a dunny flush sort of a game. If they can park that, I think they've got the ability to get amongst uh, England and perhaps not so much in the traditional sense because, you know, we've always associated Fiji with brilliant uh, athleticism and skill and outrageous sort of uh, plays. But this is a team that's actually really based around a hardcore of experienced players who most of them ply, ply their trade in Europe. And, and they've actually played a, a pretty structured sort of a game. So if, if they can do that, and then but also come up with some of those magical touches that we always associate with Fiji rugby, I, I, I do think they're a chance. But you, you're right, this deep into the tournament, quarterfinals for teams that don't have the depths, depth of others, uh, this is where it really starts to hurt. So Fiji advance, which of course puts Eddie Jones and the Wallabies finally out of their misery. What do you think kind of needs to happen for Australian rugby from now, heading into 2024, to ensure that our mates from across the ditch can be a bit more successful in the years to come? Well, we do need them uh, to be competitive and we and we need the game to flourish there. I think the first thing that they should do is, is, is sack the chairman uh, and, and then pretty soon after that, probably sack Eddie Jones as well, because that's just blowing up in their face. Uh, to, to do what they did to Dave Rennie, when yet the results were patchy, uh, but he had a, there were a number of issues that contributed to that. But he had the core of a, of a team, and he had a plan for the World Cup. And, and McLennan just swept in and you know, did a really, I, I just think, did a really dumb thing. Um, and, and so he needs to go, and Eddie Jones needs to go, and they need to rip it up and start again. Yeah, I completely agree there. That, those are some great words. Another game I tuned into with big interest over the weekend was that Samoa versus England one, a real roller coaster of a match. And you have to feel a little sorry for Samoa, who I thought, although their own discipline let them down at times, they were also quite hard done by on a number of decisions. Post-game Samoa coach Selala Mapusua and captain Michael Alaalatoa, they were asked if there was a bit of potential referee bias towards Tier 1 nations in these close games. What's your take on that, mate? Do you think there is perhaps a bit of unconscious bias at times? Oh, absolutely, without any question. I mean, there's still a very colonial sort of streak that goes through, uh, you know, the, the, the old powers that be in, in world rugby. And, and there's still the sense that, you know, certain teams are there more for the entertainment value and the exotic touches that they bring. Um, but, but God help us, if, you know, if they start threatening the old, the old guard, so, yeah, I absolutely think there is. And, and we, you know, we've seen it not just at this tournament, but in the past, the way they've been treated with the draw. Uh, you're right, though. Uh, they contributed to their own downfall with, with um, lapses of discipline. And, and, and maybe that, you know, might have made a difference as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, good on them. You know, they, they did it in a pretty dignified sort of a way. I mean, they're both quality individuals. Selala Mapusua and, and uh, Ala Alatoa, I think both of them. And, and but, but they were right to make the point because it has been a feature in this tournament. Uh, not just in this game, we've seen it. I think, uh, you know, Fiji copped it a, a, against Wales as well. And it, it's something that, you know, rugby 
uh, world rugby needs to get honest about it and, and, and start looking at it, addressing it. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of world rugby, I think the calls have gone out again after the end of the Samoa campaign and looking at the results from Portugal and co, that these teams need more regular, high-quality games. What do you reckon the next move is for world rugby to ensure that your Portugals, even Namibia and stuff, keep developing towards the next World Cup? Because for me, the pool games, they can be a real mixed bag. You either get cricket scores or you get a shock result like that from Portugal. Yeah, I, I think they've they've got to do more. I mean, you know, they've got this sort of grand plan for a championship involving the top teams. Well, they've they've got to provide you know opportunities for all of the the, the tiers of the game, not just the ones that rake in the big money, mm-hmm. um, because you know these we're talking about teams that pro- provide so much of the appeal. I mean, if rugby is you know rugby is. It's certainly more global sport than some, uh, perhaps not as much as like a basketball or a, uh, a football. But if it's going to get truly global, then they do have to grow the game. And, and it's just why well, it's fantastic to see Georgia competitive again, uh, to see Portugal coming through. Uh, you know, r- real disappointment that the United States and Canada uh, didn't make it through to the World Cup. But yeah, I think the, the challenge is there. Uh, and and the, as I say, it's a, a bit of honesty about it all would, would be helpful but unfortunately the game still dominated you know the, the the big countries get more of a say in how things happen i think new zealand can do it but too i mean we, we we you know there was a test match in samoa but that's a fair way in the rear vision mirror now um four years ago there is talk that the all blacks will play in fiji next year and not before time 100% agree there. Quarterfinals time now and four great games ahead. Obviously the main event for us is Ireland versus New Zealand, a game that's probably come two weeks too early in the eyes of many. But how impressed have you been with Ireland so far? Can you see much weakness to their game? Well, I, th- I thought that Scotland might be able to give them a bit of a go, uh, you know, rattle their cage, maybe even cause an upset because, you know, Scotland have looked pretty good. I think uh, Gregor Townsend's done a great job with them and they look to have a well-balanced team. They just w- they were never in it. Ireland were just too good for them. And there is something magnificent about that Ireland team when they get their, you know, get their rhythm going. There's a lovely flow to their play. Uh, you know, it's very much built on a, a, br- a blueprint that... Uh, Joe Smith brought into the team, but somehow Andy Farrell, and it's remarkable really that an Englishman could, could be able to unlock uh, perhaps the other parts of it mm. and, and allow them to express themselves in the, in the way that they do. Um, so that they, they, they're capable of playing some terrific rugby and they're going to be a huge test for the All Blacks. So they, they were, you know, of, of all the teams that, that played over the last few days, I think they were probably, they were probably the most impressive. Uh, and it's just a shame that we have this farcical situation where we get into uh, the, the quarterfinals and we have uh, the number one ranked team in the world playing the number four ranked team in the world and the number two ranked team and the number three ranked team playing each other on one side of the draw. And on the other side, it's seven against nine and six against eight. It's an absolute joke. And, and world rugby need to give themselves an uppercut over that. Um, be, be, because what we have this weekend, those two uh, quarterfinals on New Zealand and South Africa, France, Ireland side of the draw, they, you know, if you really applied logic in the way, say, you would have with the Wimbledon draw, the US Open, something like that, those should be the, the, the semi finals, not the quarterfinals. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. You, you always speak the truth, mate, that's for sure. Just on Ireland, their defence against Scotland and South Africa has been extremely impressive and watching that game on the weekend made me a little bit anxious because that's the defensive structure that we've struggled against in recent history. What what do you think Fozzie and co will be looking to bring tactically in order to try and break down this Irish defence? Well, I think the end co part of it's quite important. Joe Smith, you know, he has a... You know, no one probably knows the workings of this Irish team, uh, you know, aside from the guys who are, you know, running the cutter now. No one would know more about it than Joe Smith. So they've got to come up with a plan. I think the key to it uh, will be, I think, well, obviously discipline is huge. Uh, the All Blacks are not going to win this game if, if they're going to lose players to the sin bin. So that, that's, that's the number one thing. Uh, they've got to look after the ball well. Uh, some of the kicking, and, and even um, in the game against Uruguay, you know, early on in the game, some Bowden Barrett, some of the couple of kicks out of the backfield weren't all that flash. They've got to kick effectively if they if they are going to kick. Um, but the other thing too is, I, I, I just think the start of the game is going to be really important. I, I just, to me, this All Black team, if they're able to dictate the momentum of the game and, and you know get a bit of control of the game, they can beat anyone. Uh, we saw it against the Springboks at Mount Smart when they took control of the game early on dictated terms. There, it was never really in doubt who was going to win the game. So I think if, if it really, I think that the key to this game might be the first 20 or 30 minutes. And if, if the All Blacks can, you know, if at least uh, be, be on par, but I think, you know, get ahead, then, then I think that that's going to ask some questions of, of, of the Irish team. To me, I'm starting to get the feeling that whoever wins this game might just establish themselves as favourites to win the whole thing uh, because you've got one of France and South Africa is going to go. That's going to take a major contender out. Uh, and, 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 of course, the draw, there'll be a crossover in the draw as well. So you know, who knows? Um, but, but it's a hugely important game. I, I think Ireland deserve to go in as favourites. There's no question about that. Uh, I, I think New Zealand fans still, uh, deep down, will you know, can't can't quite get to grips with the idea of the All Blacks losing, but I think it's it's, it's a possibility if they don't play to the absolute limit of their ability. You mentioned before France versus South Africa, and that's going to be another barnstormer, isn't it, on Monday morning? The French, there's a lot of speculation around Dupont, South Africa. They're coming in fresh. Just quickly, how do you see this game playing out? Well, who, who knows with France? But the, the thing is, there's so much pressure, and, and this is a, a burden of expectation. Remember, they had to leave France to make it through to the quarterfinals, uh, to the semifinals at the last uh, tournament. You just never quite know. But, you know, Dupont, there has to be a risk involved with playing him, particularly against the world's most physical team. Uh, if that backfires, then I think the whole thing could blow up in France's face. I think South Africa are, the, are a team that really can break them down. And, and I've just got a sneaking feeling that South Africa might win that one uh, because the, France have lost. If DuPont doesn't play, that's their best 9-10-12 combination gone. That's the axis of their game. They've still got great players. The number eight, uh, Aldred, is, a, is a, an amazing player. But, you know, I, I still think that particularly the way they've worked it with getting um, Pollard and Arm back into the, into, into the scheme of things, uh, leaving them home to recover. And then, oh, gosh, we need some injury replacements. Here they are. Um, you know they've played it pretty smart, South Africa. So I'm just sort of kind of hoping that, uh, just from a Kiwi point of view, that I'd love to see the All Blacks win that game. And you can sit back and, and watch those two 
bash seven bells out of each other. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? And just quickly before I let you go, Wales, Argentina, England, Fiji, who have you got in a kind of head-to-head? Are you back in the two favourites there in Wales and England, or do you think Fiji well, upset? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to upset any English fans listening, but the way England are playing, it doesn't exactly <laughs> you know, set the world on fire, does it? Steve Borthwick, I mean, he was a good, honest you know, toiler as a, as, as a player and an and old-fashioned sort of player, but he coaches them like that too, and they're not exactly inspired. They sh- they, they would think that they, they should beat Fiji, but I, as I say, I think Fiji are capable of getting under them. Uh, at the other side, of the, Warren Gatlin has just done an amazing thing with Wales. They were an absolute dog's breakfast a year ago, and mm. he's come back, and he's turned them around. He's made them competitive. I just think the injuries that they have suffered, if they lose... If they're losing uh, Anscombe on, on top of Dan Bigger, uh, and I think there's another one they've got there too, I think that could really count against them. Argentina, you know, they've got a pretty good track record at World Cups, getting through to the last eight, getting through to the last four. To me, Argentina, um, I, I'd back them to win this game. But again, it's, uh, you've got to take your hat off to Warren Gatlin with what they've done. I just think this this might be the part of the tournament where they start to miss the influence of the, the likes of Alan Wynne-Jones who's been at the core of their existence for such a long time and is no longer there. Yeah, good call. I'll let you go now, mate. Get back to your cricket. But cheers for your time. Always great to hear your thoughts and insight and hope you enjoy the quarterfinals action this weekend. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I hope I enjoy it too, mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> Legend, thank you. Right, time now for a break, and when we come back, we will have a look at the schedule ahead for this weekend and those four massive quarterfinal games. That's right, welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. Time now to look ahead to this weekend's games, live on SENZ, of course, you can hear them all here. Sunday morning, 4am, Wales versus Argentina. Plenty of noise out of the Welsh camp around some injuries, fingers crossed. Gareth Anscombe, Dan Bigger will be okay, because I think they'll love their chances up against Michael Checker's side, who looked pretty good against Japan, you must say, so maybe they are peaking right at the perfect time. Then following that, the game that's on everyone's lips, Ireland versus New Zealand. Can't wait for that one. I think she's close. It's going to go right down to the wire. I've already flip-flopped a couple times on who I think will win, and no doubt that'll change again. But you've got to back the All Blacks, sorry, don't you? Surely the Patriot in you shines through there. Then Monday morning, England versus Fiji. Fiji will have to lift after their performance this morning, but in saying that, England have hardly been far from convincing too, so they will like their chances there. And then following that, France versus South Africa. Dupont Gate continues. We should find out overnight whether he will be able to mask up and play in this game, and you get the feeling without him there, they won't really like their chances. I think South Africa, the defending champs, could well prove to be too strong. So four massive games. Who will play in the semi-finals? We soon soon shall see, and no doubt there'll be plenty more to update you on on tomorrow's show. So that's us for tonight. Thanks to Brad for running the cutter behind the scenes, and I'll catch you back here tomorrow night for another edition of Rugby World Cup today here on SENZ. Go well.